If you're from San Antonio, you've probably heard of Graham Weston. He's a tech entrepreneur, a billionaire, and a philanthropist. His name is on one of the city's skyscrapers. This spring, he got really, really sick. I got COVID at the end of March. I think I got it from my son, my uh, middle son, who had just returned from London. My wife and I picked him up from the airport. And within a few days, I started to get a fever and started to get sick very rapidly. What was it like being sick with the virus? How bad was it? The first night that I started to get sick, I was overcome with chills. Then I took my temperature and realized that I had a fever. That's when it really hit me. I was in trouble. And my mind started racing. I didn't know where it would take me. Graham got so sick that he worried he might die. The notion that you didn't know how bad the symptoms would get and that I could find myself helpless and alone in the hospital on the ventilator, that scared me to death. After he recovered, he started thinking about whether he could have been safer. But he felt like he did everything right. He socially distanced, he wore a mask, but he still caught the virus from his son, who didn't have any symptoms. This experience made him think, There's a hole in our approach to COVID. Finding silent spreaders is key to suppressing the virus for the long term. And mass testing is the way to attack it. Finding silent spreaders or asymptomatic people through mass testing could help prevent the spread of COVID. But the U.S. isn't doing it. This realization set Graham on an ambitious mission to test as many people as possible in his hometown. And by doing that... To make San Antonio the safest city in America. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, October 22nd. Coming up on the show, a Texas billionaire's plan for widespread, cheap COVID testing. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Testing asymptomatic people isn't a new idea. Many public health officials agree that mass testing is key to stopping the spread of the coronavirus. Because according to the CDC, as many as 40% of people who have the virus don't show symptoms. The method has already proven successful in smaller countries like South Korea. But in the U.S., mass testing of asymptomatic people never got a foothold. A lot of the resources in the U.S. are still focused on people who are sick and are symptomatic. That's our colleague Rob Copeland. There are a lot of really smart and caring people who don't think you should be spending time testing huge populations of people when almost none of them are going to wind up actually having the disease. But why not? I mean, what's the harm in testing somebody if the test comes back negative? Well, Ryan, remember in May when there were people waiting 10 to 12 hours for tests. People are very, very worried of anything that would encourage a rush on these testing sites. They're worried about people going and getting tested every day 
and running up the wait time for tests for people who need it. Also, testing done by the big companies isn't cheap. Imagine testing 300 million Americans every week to see if they're an asymptomatic carrier. So if mass testing is so expensive and so resource-intensive that the U.S. isn't even doing it, why is Graham Weston interested in taking it on? The lucky thing about being Graham Weston and having a billion dollars is you get to ignore cost for a second. He's a major investor in San Antonio, and he is incentivized to get people back to work. He owns buildings. He wants people back in. So to Graham, spending a few million dollars on testing is, one, philanthropic, but two, it's a good business decision, too. If you can reopen San Antonio, you can reopen Graham's business. A key moment for Graham's figuring out how to do mass testing came from reading the newspaper. He reads a daily periodical called the Wall Street Journal. Hmm. And he reads an article that I wrote, actually, in April about this Manhattan project of scientists and financiers who are coming together to try to find solutions for COVID. The group calls itself Scientists to Stop COVID-19. Among other things, it promotes the importance of mass testing to catch silent spreaders. After learning more about this group of scientists, Graham decided to run a little experiment of his own at his startup incubator in San Antonio. So before he brings workers back to the office, he says, you all need to go get tested even though you don't have symptoms. He pays for the testing. So they just go and they get tested at regular urgent care centers, you know, how anyone can get tested. And he finds that of those 77 people, three of them are currently right then positive for COVID. And they were asymptomatic. And they were totally asymptomatic. So he says, we would have brought you all back in. Three of us had COVID. We know how this disease spread so quickly. You're probably going to spread it to the rest of us. And chances are with 77 people, a few of them are going to wind up getting really sick. One of them could die. To Graham, the fact that he was able to prevent an outbreak at his workplace by testing everyone was proof of concept. Mass testing could save lives. And he wanted to do a lot more of it. The problem? There wasn't enough testing capacity in San Antonio to pull it off. Graham would have to build something entirely new. In order to figure out how to do that, he connected over the summer with a scientist named Dr. Stacy Gabriel, who was involved with that group he read about, Scientists Against COVID-19. Dr. Gabriel works at the Broad Institute, which is a research center at MIT and Harvard. In March, Dr. Gabriel put her other research aside and devoted herself entirely to COVID-19 testing. To say it's a whirlwind, I would say, would be a, a massive understatement. Here's Dr. Gabriel in a promotional video describing how she transformed her lab. We've really tried to take what we do, which generally is next-generation sequencing, and really take all of the principles of that that could be applied to this kind of diagnostic. To be Dr. To Gabriel told Graham and his team that she designed her lab to avoid the kinds of shortages that were preventing the country from testing more people. So she said... The big labs, the ones that exist already, like LabCorp and Quest, they have very specific equipment that they're used to using. I want to find a plug-and-play solution. I want to find the generic equipment, stuff that's just sitting around in any university, and that I know, because I'm a geneticist, I know we can use this equipment to find genetic material with coronavirus. Dr. Gabriel used generic versions of test chemicals. She used generic blood tubes. And instead of those long, specialized nose swabs, she used regular Q-tips. By using all this generic stuff, she was able to avoid the shortages that other labs were experiencing and that were leading to long turnaround times. 
Dr. Gabriel's lab can give results in about 14 hours. Here's Graham again. She had completely changed the game in order to stop the shortage of supplies from being a limiting factor. All of her breakthroughs were about how to overcome constraints for testing supplies and testing equipment. Her lab was doing tens and tens of thousands of tests a day, and she was only able to do it because she had redesigned how the testing process was being done. So while that kind of innovation may sound boring, it is undeniably real innovation. The other benefit of Dr. Gabriel's innovation, her tests are a lot cheaper. Big labs like LabCorp and Quest charge between $100 to $300 per test, but Dr. Gabriel's tests are only 25 bucks. Because of the design of her lab, she brought the price way, way down. So it was a brilliant plan, and it was so easy to understand for a layman. A layman like yourself? (laughs) For a layman like myself. And after she shared this information with you, you were just like, can I copy it? Stacy was encouraging us to copy her idea. And so after weeks of digging into the issue, we just decided to build our own lab. Stacy gave us a shopping list and a lab design. And so she really made it easy. So he gets on the phone and he just starts calling laboratories. Here's Rob again. He calls them in San Antonio. He says, hey, I want to build a lab. Can you help me? He does find a lab in San Antonio that's willing to give him some space. And then he gets on the phone and he just starts calling manufacturers. And he says, hey, I have a list from Dr. Gabriel in Boston of stuff that will work. What do you have right now? What's in your warehouse? And he starts to put together his own assembly line in San Antonio. But there were also regulatory challenges he had to overcome. Some states regulate testing in ways that can make mass testing harder, like requiring a doctor to do the nasal swab. That's a big hurdle if you're trying to do a lot of people all at once. Texas, Graham talks to the governor, he talks to the state medical officer, they say, you don't need a doctor or nurse to do that. You just need to train someone in how to do it. Another issue is a prescription. You need a prescription to get a COVID test. Graham talks to the state medical officer. The state medical officer says, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll sign a piece of paper that says everyone in Texas has a reason to believe they may have COVID and so now has a prescription to get a test if they need it. Wow, so in other words... Everybody got a prescription essentially all at once in the state of Texas to go get a coronavirus test. Exactly. Even though Graham eventually got the tests down to $35 a pop, this whole effort was still expensive. But Graham wasn't funding it all by himself. He worked with two other philanthropists, J. Bruce Bug Jr. and Tullus Wells. He said it took a little over two months to get the lab up and running and processing tests. So he built this whole lab and put all this money into it, Would he ever potentially be able to make money on this, or does he see this as a purely philanthropic effort? So I'm glad you asked that, because I asked him that about every six seconds while I was reporting this story. This is all being done by a nonprofit that he founded, all the purchases, all the money. He said, if there's anything left over at the end of this crisis, we'll sell the equipment, the money will go to the nonprofit, we'll donate it. And frankly, he can make more money by having San Antonio reopen than he can by charging for tests. But to get San Antonio to reopen, he'd actually have to start testing people. And finding people who were willing to get tested was harder than he thought. That's after the break. 
This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com AI for people. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. In about six months, Graham Weston had gone from being sick with COVID-19 to starting up his own testing lab. His next step was finding people to take his tests. He decided that school kids would be the best place to start. He says, I can't have people working in the office and have their elementary school kids alone at home without them. And he says no one is going to send their kids back to school until they're positive that their kid isn't going to come back from school with coronavirus. Importantly, he also realizes that as a child, as someone under 18, it's actually not easy to get tested, period, for COVID. A lot of centers won't even test someone under 18. But when Graham started offering his free COVID testing lab to school districts, he didn't immediately find a taker. The main school district in San Antonio isn't too enthusiastic about it. The chief medical officer says, I looked at the CDC guidelines and they don't say anything about testing kids and I don't see why we should be on the forefront of an experiment. So he goes around to a lot of school districts around San Antonio and he finds this county, Somerset, which is south of San Antonio. It looks like out of Friday Night Lights, Ryan, it's truly just flat as far as the eye can see. It is largely working class, largely Latino, About 80% of the students are on free or reduced lunch, and most of the parents either work in farming, an auto factory, or in blue-collar jobs in San Antonio. So he finds, frankly, a district that wasn't getting a lot of attention, and they say, please, help us. Graham's lab planned to test the entire Somerset County School District. Ultimately, that would mean testing more than 4,000 students and staff which would make it the biggest school district in the country doing comprehensive testing. There's no school district in the United States of America who is attempting to test the entire district, giving every student, every staff member the opportunity to be tested. The superintendent of the Somerset School District also figured out a way to incentivize students to actually participate in the program. He said, I can't force you to get your kids tested. But here's what I can do. I can say you can't participate in after-school activities if you're not getting tested. And Ryan, it's football season. A lot of people want their kids to participate in after-school activities. Hmm. So Somerset County starts with Somerset High School, and they say, oh, you want to be a cheerleader? You want to play football? You got to be getting tested every week. It turns out that provision did the job. Most kids in the district are getting tested now. And I went and I visited Somerset High School where they're doing this. And it's quite the production. The entire gym is taken over. This isn't just something you can do casually. You have to be all in. Describe it to me. What did you see when you went there? 
Students come to the cafeteria. They have a permission slip signed by their parents that say they can be tested. And they sit at folding tables. A member of Graham's team hands them a what looks like a Q-tip. The student swabs themselves. You hand the Q-tip back. That's it. It's a one-day turnaround. So that same night at around 8 o'clock, the school nurse gets notice from the lab, anyone who tested positive, and it's up to her to notify the family. In the first week, Graham's lab tested 200 students and staff, all asymptomatic. Of those tests, one came back positive. Now, around a month into the experiment, they're testing almost 1,000 people a week. And each week, they've been finding a few positive cases and asking those people to quarantine. That could be the key to stopping an outbreak before it happens. There must be some skepticism of this effort. Well, it's an ungodly amount of money. If you're testing even just 1,000 students in Somerset County, that's $35,000 a week. $35,000 to catch one positive. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. And it will definitely add up over time. It will add up over time. And if the science is to be believed here, we're not out of this woods anytime soon. So far, Graham and his two partners have committed $10 million to the project. You've got this testing lab up and running now for a few weeks. So how would you say things are going so far? Things are going great. I just got a note from the superintendent saying how his attendance is rising faster than other school districts because of the effect of testing. I think these kids that come from low-income school districts, only half of them have Wi-Fi at home. Being at school in person is a much better way to learn. By doing intensive testing at the schools, the students will come back faster and be able to learn in person much faster than they otherwise would. And while Graham is showing that preventing COVID outbreaks before they happen is possible at a single school district, Dr. Gabriel has been proving it at a much larger scale. Her lab is testing people at universities, nursing homes, and other potential hotspots. Her lab is doing as many as 70,000 tests a day. It's almost 9% of all the tests in the entire country. Her lab, her one lab, from this geneticist, who basically just made it all up this spring, she's designed a huge system where trucks go and they pick up swabs from a bunch of different colleges all in the same direction and they drive them back and she tests them overnight. It's incredible. And just like Dr. Gabriel taught Graham how to build his lab, Graham says part of his job will be passing those blueprints along to other people. Part of our mission is to help any city or philanthropist or state who wants to build their own lab, we want to help them do it. We'll help make it easy for them. And my partners and I are determined to seize the moment and to make sure that this idea is played out at a large scale. And I predict that we'll have labs across the country like ours in the coming years. These methods have helped bring the costs of coronavirus testing down significantly, but it still costs a lot of money when you're testing thousands and potentially tens of thousands of people every week. So how scalable is this idea? The government has put aside funds exclusively for testing. Many states are not using that funding fully. I think that it is much better to be spending money on testing to get people back to work than it is to spend it on unemployment payments, right? The only way we can stop unemployment payments is by getting people back to work. Otherwise, those payments could go on for a long, long time. I also think that as we suppress the virus through testing, we are preventing 
absolutely huge amounts of human suffering and deaths. So I think that it is a much better use of government funds to reduce COVID than it is to just reduce the economic impact of COVID. We need to get to the root cause. That's all for today, Thursday, October 22nd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.